Hey, this is Marcos Castellan from the San Antonio Missions, and you guys listen to the Friars in the Farm podcast. Welcome to episode 217 of Friars in the Farm podcast. I am Donovan, and with me is Roy. Oh, fall baseball is in full swing. Fall ball of baseball. Dude, and this year, the AFL, they're streaming games every day really they're streaming games every day like you guys have seen it on twitter and i'm uh, sorry on on instagram where i'm posting these videos and i don't think they did that last year like i could you know you get one game or two on mlb network maybe occasionally they'll stream you know like a military game or something like that but this year there's a whole schedule of, of games that are getting uh that are getting streamed and i'm loving it yeah, I hope this is all sign of things to come they 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 understand that the people they want content and yeah minor league baseball needs the promotion and so th- this is this is a wonderful thing and then on top of that you got you got playoff baseball going on it's getting exciting uh and we've got you know the postseason shuffle all starting you know you're hearing about like kim Eng just left uh, uh miami and you know what's happening with front offices and players reaching free agency and all this uh it's it's fun i enjoy it yeah, it's kind of like Christmas, but you don't. Yeah, we, and there's a long laundry list of, of 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 presents that the Padres need to make their their next season a little bit better. Right. And speaking of presents, so we've got our major league minute. We got a whole bunch of Arizona Fall League news, but our big present to you, the listeners today, we've got an interview with Marcos Castagnon, yep. friend of the podcast. Uh, we had a really enlightening talk to him, talking about adjustments and development and and all this all this fun stuff. He he loves talking baseball. Dude, he is like I, I told him and you as I hear it, like when I talked to him in Lake Elsinore two years ago to where he is now, I mean, we talked about the sweep of the difference between a sweeper and a slider, what he does with, you know, when the, when the, when he's a hard throwing sinker baller, like he makes those adjustments in batting practice before the game and all the information that they, those guys get. It's a really great interview. Uh, so happy for him to come back on the podcast and uh, have me one of the few that have come on for a second time. All right, so we'll kick it off with our Major League Minute, and it's a real brief one. The Gold Glove finalists were announced. Fernando Tatis Jr. is a finalist for right field, and Ha Sung Kim is a finalist in two different positions, uh, second base and utility, if you consider utility a position. It's definitely an important role on a ball club. Interesting. I didn't know that there was a utility. Is that the first year that they've had the utility glove? They they added it a year or two ago, and I'm glad that they did, because you get guys like him, like now, I think he deserves I think he deserves it as a second baseman. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but when you've got the guy that kind of is moving around and spending 25% of his time here, 30% of his time there, like you can't give somebody a glove, a gold glove for doing a whole bunch of things really well. You know, they tend to give it on the guy that played 90% of his games right. at one position. Right. Um, so I'm glad to, to see that because there are really guys that are even more valuable because of their flexibility. Yeah, and that's just a changing of the game. The evolution of 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 the game are those super utility guys that play outfield, catcher, infield, all over. You know, I, I think of and I hate to say it, I think Barnes from the the Dodgers. Uh, you know, or or Chris Taylor that plays outfield and infield. Um, those guys that just play all around the field. Yet they don't do. You can't call him a second baseman, or you can't call him a left fielder. So that I, I like the evolution of that in the where they give hardware away for that as well. Right. And so Mookie Betts was the other guy that got nominated in two different positions in right field and utility because he played a good chunk of the of the season at second base, shortstop. Yeah. Um. You know, and good for him. I hope yeah. Kim. I hope Kim. I'm pulling for the Padres naturally. I'm not hating on the Dodgers this moment, uh, but I want to see Kim get it at second base. And Tat- if Tatis doesn't win the Gold Glove for right field, it's going to be a crime. Yeah, it's a riot. It, it, we will riot. That's right. So- <laughs> All right. So our minor league news: we got a couple transactions here. Uh, infielder Brandon Dixon and right-handed relief pitcher Domingo Tapia elected free agency. They'd both been DFA'd off the 40-man well before the end of the season. So being that they're veterans uh, on minor league contracts, they were eligible to declare free agency um, You know, since the minor league season is over. Uh, there's a lot of that going on in the transaction logs. Uh, but two guys that contributed a pretty fair amount to the big league club, I wanted to yeah. point that out. 
Yeah, it was good that they both got you know a chance to um you know catch a show what they can do. Brandon Dixon, I, I love the hard nosed guys. Tapia had flashes of brilliance at times. Uh, other times it's just like, what are we doing here? And you know, with this kind of season we had, those guys are are really they're magnified. And when you have bad bullpen seasons like the Padres did. Uh, it's just like, ah, you know, just one of those, another chink in the armor of a horrible season that they've had. All right. Well, that's enough about big league stuff. We're here to talk about minor league baseball. So, Donovan, why don't you tell us some uh, some good news for a particular Padres pitcher? Well, well, particularly good news is Victor Lorenzo. Victor Lorenzo. <laughs> Take a deep breath. Three, two, one. Thanks, Roy. Victor Lizarraga went pitcher of the month in September, um, which is great because it, it really – which is great for him. He had an up and down season. His flashes are just absolute dominance. Other times, you know, he, you know, it's development. So these guys are learning. Other times, not so great. Um, there's still lots to love about Victor Lizarraga. Actually, last year was oh. the, you know, the organizational pitcher of the year. Um, he got off to such a slow start, and so did. to see him finish strong was really nice. Absolutely. So Lizarraga claimed the Midwest League Pitcher of the Week award for September 3, as well as two weeks prior on August 20th. He became the first team cap to earn multiple Pitcher of the Week accolades since Joey Cantillo, friend of the podcast, in 2019. The last team cap to win the Midwest Pitcher of the Month honor was Ethan Elliott in May of 2021. Because, you know, Cantillo is now a top prospect for the Cleveland Guardians. And while uh, injury has caused Elliott to retire last year, Lizarraga. I faced some adversity this season and got through it. I was happy to finish the season healthy and strong. It was a great learning year, and I love pitching in those high-pressure games. I feel like I've made for those moments. His playoff game was really good this year. It was. For the season, Lizarraga, who was the youngest player on the team and the youngest in the league to begin the year, led the Tin Caps in games started with 21, innings with 94 and two-thirds, and strikeouts with 78. He was signed by San Diego as an international free agent out of Mexico in 2021. Quote, Victor may have had the most progress of anyone on our team from opening day until the end, said manager Jonathan Matthews. The results speak for themselves, but he really showed a lot of growth in how he took care of his work between outings, putting time in the weight room, and the other things it takes to truly succeed as a pro. We're proud to see his hard work pay off and be recognized. Yeah, really good for him. You know, it's funny. We... We talked, I talked to him in 21 and that was his first year. Like we forget how young he is and he's only been in the system for two years. So it's great to end with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Such a young guy. You know, he feels like he's been around for a while, but yeah. I think he's still just like 19, maybe 20. Yeah. He, he's, he's very young. So here are the 2023 rookie level all-stars and award winners. The most valuable player was Romeo Santabria. For the Padres, over 50 games in the ACL, Santa Bria slashed 5, 359, 443, 617, and paced the circuit with 53 RBIs as well as a 1.06 OPS. The 21-year-old catcher from Miami also ranked fourth with eight home runs. He also collected a pair of triples, 15 doubles, and four stolen bases before finishing the year with single-A Lake Elsinore. Yeah, this is from MLB.com, and he says 21-year-old catcher. Uh, I don't believe he logged any time behind the plate this year. He was a first-base DH, uh, but I did see him get behind the plate once. That was in Lake Elsinore. He got back there to help warm the pitcher up in between innings while that game's catcher was taken off his gear. He'd just been on the bases. Yeah, that caught me by surprise. I didn't I, – he's a big boy. Like, I don't see that kid being a catcher at all. Yeah, but he was a catcher all last year in the in the DSL. But okay. this year, you know, takes off the pads, and I guess that was the magic because he pretty much paced the ACL in every offensive stat, and then came up to Lake Elsinore and kept mashing. Yeah. He's a big boy. Yeah, excellent play discipline. Like he hits the ball hard. And he's yeah, like you say, he's a big boy. That power is going to come. Right. So then Dominican Summer League. So they they say the MVP and the best pitcher and all that, but then they also make an all-star team for each league. And for the Dominican Summer League, outfielder Oliver Carrillo was named to the Dominican Summer League all-star team. Uh, 21-year-old outfielder first baseman hit 303, 542, 586. That's a 1.128 OPS with 11 home runs in 225 plate appearances. Uh, last year... Last year, he hit just as well for the in the DSL as well. He's from Mazatlan, Mexico. So, you know, we don't hear a whole lot out of the DSL, yeah. uh, but a little hint about what to, what to keep your eye out for next year. 
Yeah, definitely have to mark that name down, Oliver Carrillo, Carrillo, and see what happens in spring training going into Lake Elsinore. Hey, did you hear that like 10 of the uh, Dominican academies got broken into for the major league teams? I heard about the Cardinals uh, camp being Hector broken Gomez, into. I think, I think yeah, Gomez I, I didn't that. hear that other ones had been broken into as well. So, the, yeah, they yeah, were he, breaking in and they were taking like tools and electronics and whatever they get their hands on, right? Uh, that's, yeah, I I didn't see exactly what they took, but knowing they got robbed is just it's just horrendous. Like that's. Yeah, but I I mean, that's part of the risk of it is a third world country mm, and there's a yeah. lot of poverty around there. Yeah. So I can see why. Yeah, they'd be vulnerable about that kind of thing. I'm kind of surprised they don't have better security. security. Right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I laugh about it, but you go to those kinds of countries, you see people walking down the streets with long guns, wearing camo, and that's their job is to protect whatever store or whatever business they're at. It's it's way different than what we experience here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So let's get it on with the AFL news, yeah? Yeah, yeah. You know, before, before we started tonight... <laughs> Like it was going to be the Jacob Marcy show. Like it, it, like the kid is absolutely tore it up, uh, going into what the, the third week of of the season. But we had to pare it down a little bit. So Jacob Marcy won pitcher or uh, hitter of the week for the first week of the AFL, and it goes like this. So Marcy is going to remember this game for a long time. The twenty-two-year-old outfielder put together the first multi-homer game of his professional career going deep to right field in the first and eighth inning against Mesa. He now has a 1.94 OPS and AFL high after his nine base hit night. Marcy ended the regular season with a five game hitting streak for double a San Antonio. Now. So Marcy, the one knock I see from like, like evaluators is that there's not a ton of power there. And, but what we're seeing right now, he, he does not strike out a ton. He draws a lot of walks, does not swing and miss much. Um, and it seems like every time he's hitting the ball, he's hitting it on a line. He doesn't put it on the ground a whole lot. You know, I, maybe that could be another evolution of the game too. Not every outfielder needs to hit 30, 25 bombs. Like you need those guys that hit doubles in the gaps that has speed. He has speed. He can run Um you know, you save those bombs for for the guys in the left and center or left and right. You know, your your Juan Sotos, your your Fernando Tatis Juniors. You need those guys that get on base a lot, that can drive runs in, and then run the bags as well. And that's that's really crucial. Right. Well, so you take a look at the Padres roster, and you've got four big thumpers right there. Hopefully, all four of those guys are still going to be there come come April. Uh, but then this year, one of the things that crippled them was all the swing and miss at the bottom yeah. of the strike of the of the lineup. So you get a couple of guys on base and now you need Austin Nola, Trent Grisham, uh, Matt Carpenter. You need those guys to situational hitting. You need them to put the bat on the ball, get the ball out of the infield. Uh, you know, even if you just need somebody to lift a sacrifice fly uh, rather than getting up there and selling out for power and right. striking out or rolling over and grounding into a double play in a, in a crucial situation. So I can see how you can make, an argument for a guy like Marcy or Jose Azokar or somebody like that having a valuable, a valuable role on the team. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we'll see what happens next year, but probably going to be 25. Maybe if he has a solid season next year, maybe later in the season, we might see a Marcy pickup, uh, maybe a little cup of coffee there, but, but definitely it's good to see him just start tearing it up. And all since he started, he has been tearing it up. For year. sure. So we were just talking about the the security in the Dominican Summer League, and I yeah. thought I'd take a look and see what, what you saw on Hector Gomez's Twitter feed. Uh, so he says, Dominican government will guarantee security in MLB academies. Security in the 30 baseball academies that operate in the country will be safeguarded with the installation of two new police corridors that will patrol the perimeter. A police department will also be built that will allow better facilities for agents to move around the area and a monitoring center whose information will be used by the police and those companies complexes uh baseball is big business in the dominican republic um and so it would make sense that the government would want to step in um because i'm sure there's plenty of money going back to the government from the baseball industry yeah. uh, so i'm glad to see that there was something going on here because yeah the the tigers academy was broken into um and it sounds like uh, cleveland guardians and miami marlins yeah so there's been a handful of break-ins somebody's out there targeting baseball academies that's nobody needs that yeah, it's 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 tough, and you know those aren't going to, to go to the other, you know, of the other uh, the Buscones, or that's probably going to go on the black market and be sold, and right, or, or just you know people using it for their own 
you mean people are poor you know they they need you know they see a, a cordless drill or cell phones right. cash clothes a playstation you know these are all things that people want for themselves they're probably not even going to sell them they're going to anyway we're here to talk about baseball so tell Let's us about keep... grand tell, tell us about grand Polly. to grand Polly, you know <laughs> Wasted no time getting runs on the board against Mesa. He sent the second pitch he saw over the right field fence to plate three in the bottom of the first with a home run on Wednesday as well. The 23-year-old put himself atop the fall league long ball leaders. Pauly hit home runs in consecutive games five times this season with high A Fort Wayne. And the past week had kind of slagged off, got two hits today, but was just like him and Marcy, man, both. Marcy hitting leadoff. That's the good thing about Marcy is he's always hit leadoff. In affiliate ball, going into the AFL, they have him at the top of the board. You guys saw the, the videos I put on Twitter. He steals bags as well. So, Graham, playing a little bit farther down in the lineup, hitting bombs, hitting for average, uh, playing great defense. Like, we're really having a breakout party with those two. And, you know, Nathan Mortarella is not that far behind. And some of the pitching as well. Braden Nett's been just breaking out. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the video again this week that I showed of his of his start on Monday where he had seven strikeouts. He had one run. He had one hit, one run. One guy hit a bomb off him. In five, what, five innings. innings pitched, yeah. Five innings pitched and was just bringing it. And this is a kid's undrafted free agent out of a ju- Juco in Maryland. Um, he was it. the kid that I saw pitch uh, when I went to go talk to Homer Bush Jr. and stayed for nice. a few innings. I'm like, who's this kid throwing gas? And a gnarly curveball. Oh, shit. Brad and Nett. Brad and Nett. Well, you were just telling us about Jacob Marsh's great first week. He was also on Baseball America's hot sheet for week two of the season. Um, he hit 412, 500, 588. That's seven for 17. Three doubles, three triples, uh, two walks, seven strikeouts. So after earning the AFL's first hitter of the week honor of two, in 2023, the Padres prospect kept right on impressing. His slugging percentage and OPS are both tops of the league, as are his hits extra base hits and total bases. He's recorded hits in eight of his nine games this fall and has had multiple hits in seven of those eight games. So as you noted, he's cooled off a little bit since then, but that's from taking it from like 99 down to 92. He's still just rolling and playing some really good outfield too. I think I posted another video of a good diving catch he made. And then that first week he made a great diving catch to, to rob a hit away from a guy. Now, that's one thing about the AFL coverage. They give you the wide view. Yeah. They've got the shot from outfield looking at the hitter, and then they'll switch to the like the all nine view where you're seeing the yeah. entire field. And so you see these little ants move in different directions, and then you'll see the ant in center field take a big dive, and he'll catch the ball, and everybody's going nuts. So it's kind of hard to tell what's going on unless you've got a big screen to put it up on. It is, and a couple of times it's been the, uh, the Caraway brothers um, that – they're they're from Amarillo. They're the Amarillo broadcasters, and they were talking up all the Padre guys because they just saw him in the in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, the, the the video I posted of of Marcy, you're like, is that? I think that's a oh oh he do oh is that Marcy? Oh, you wouldn't know it was him unless I posted like that's Jacob Marcy in center field. It is that spring training kind of the old spring training kind of video of when the ball gets hit. Wow, there it goes. Um, but let's move on. Because friend of the podcast, Sam Dykstra, did a nice write-up on Jacob uh, on Nathan Martorella. Yes, he did. So Nathan Martorella received clear instructions during his three collegiate seasons, instructions that are easier said than done, but helped him get taken in the fifth round of the 2022 draft. Quote, my hitting coach, Noah Jackson at Cal, he always talked about controlling the strike zone, said the Padres' first baseman. You do damage if you swing at pitches in the zone. If you're chasing, you won't. That's kind of my philosophy. Sounds simple, right? Not so easy to do. So the article goes on to say, by being selected, the left-handed slugger was able to get to his power to play. His 19 homers this season equaled his collegiate total over three separate campaigns. But if you were to ask him, he might admit to one stat pleasing him the most. Martorella led all Padres minor leaguers with 582 plate appearances in 2023. Quote, I know it's a grind, but I wanted to be available every day. He said, learning how to take care of my body through a long season and playing every game was my goal. And I came pretty close to that. You know, and when we talk about, talk to Marcos Castagnon later, um, you know, he speaks to that a little bit as well. Absolutely. The Padres, That's, go ahead. 
So the Padres extended Martorella's ability to get looks on the diamond with his AFL assignment, in part to keep honing on that approach and also to get a little extra work in left field. Now, I highlighted that because I love that. Everybody looks at him and thinks first base DH, but I've heard him say in multiple interviews that I want people to know that I can move. Like he's got some, he's, he moves well for a big guy. Yeah, he, he does move well. And, you know, he's, he's not, that's not chunky, man. He's, he's, he's thick, but he does move really well for, you know, someone comped him on, on Twitter and you know how we don't want to stay away from cons, but like the, like a, like a Schwarber, like, well, you look at, okay, he's a lefty, he's a slugger. And just the the build, I, I can yeah. see if he becomes a hitter like Kyle Schwarber. Oh my God, look out! Because what he's doing right now in the postseason is just ridiculous. I'd want to see a little more average out of him than the homers, because I think <laughs> thinking Schwarber hit like two twelve, like he's like Max Muncy, like he's either home run or an out. And, and I'll take a few less homers for a little more average, a little more uh, slugging. Yeah, well, we're looking at we're we're looking at a, a much more advanced in age Kyle Schwarber because he he hit for average earlier in his career, mm-hmm. yeah, a little All bit right. more. But right. uh, so yeah, so he's going to get some work in left field. Uh, he made twenty two starts during the summer. He's already started at least one game in the AFL in in left field. Uh, but there's an additional benefit in getting Martarella in another clubhouse with Polly and Marcy. The three talents headed to San Antonio as part of a loaded Double A squad that also included top ten prospects Ethan Salas, Jackson Merrill, Robbie Snelling, Jairo Iriarte, and Adam Mazur, and Marcus Castagnon during the stretch yeah. run. Uh, once thought to be thinned out after the Juan Soto trade, the Padres system has built up its depth quickly again, and Martorella is proud to play his part as a member of the new minor league core. Quote, everyone that got brought up is a hard worker, he said. I respect every one of them. They're going out there every day trying to get better at something no matter what it is. The vibe was good. We're all close friends, and it's fun to play with your friends like that. You know, I posted some video at the end of the season uh, of just the shot of the dugout in San Antonio. And you see it, you see guys, they like each other. They're talking, they're, you know, a little bit of razzing, just the whole vibe that you feel in the, in, in the dugout, just like that. Like they're all like each other. You know, you saw Salas talking to guys and, and the other two guys over here were just chatting and smiles all around. You feel a positive energy in there. And that's, you know, having all those guys together as a core, you know, we talked so long ago about what the waves of the lava or whatever, the lava wave or the waves or whatever. The wave. Hot talent lava. Hot yeah. Talent. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> You can really see it with these guys. And it's not just hitters. You have pitchers in that group. You have hitters. You have catchers. You have, you know, a core of guys that sure the major league roster looks stacked and built. Um. But if for somebody to have one of those guys, I'm sure one of them, you know, very quickly could step up and and take a place there. And uh, you'll love to see it definitely after all the trades that happened the past few years with uh with God, you know, really just making our podcast really thin <laughs> to talk about. This year's been a really a bumper crop. Well, a bunch of those guys, I'm sure they're gonna get invites to major league spring training. I'm I fully expect all of Martorella, Polly, Marcy, Merrill, um, all the pitchers that just got announced, maybe Marcos Castagnon, who knows? Yep. There's going to be a lot of these guys in the the major league spring training. So maybe some of that infectious grooves will rub off on the big league guys because that's something that seemed to be missing in that in that clubhouse was the the good vibes. Hold on, dude. Did you just that's our song now? Are we gonna play some infectious grooves? Okay, that's it. Uh, that's a, that's a, dude, that, that album came out like in the nineties, early nineties. And that was the only album from those guys. I love that album. Asleep at the wheels. Great. Um, it has some really solid banging tracks on that album. Heck yeah. A little bit of suicidal tendencies. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's finish it up here with the, with Jim Callis's write up on Jacob Marcy. So Jacob Marcy quickly has made a name for himself in pro ball, going from six-round pick out of Central Michigan in 2022 to a, to a prospect who clubs asked the Padres about in trade talks this summer. Ooh. Marcy is a well-rounded player, yet not particularly known for his power. The number 12 Padres prospect stood out with his pop Thursday night in the Arizona Fall League. However, slamming two home runs and driving in three runs to lead the Peoria Javelinas in a 10-5 victory over Mesa Solar Sox. Marshall laid off the bottom of the first inning by driving a flat changeup from right-hander Tyler Gulifoyle. Gulifoyle? Gilfoyle. Gilfoyle. 
uh, off the back of the right field bullpen wall. A shot that traveled 377 feet at 105 miles. He struck his second homer down the line and into the same bullpen in the eighth inning, drilling a curveball from righty Chris Kachmar, 366 feet at 98 miles per hour. And nothing about Marcy, he does, he uses all the field. Both these balls were pulled, but he does use all fields. I've never hit two home runs in a game before. First time ever, Marcy said. I knew the second one was gone, but the first one I actually thought I hit the fence and was in place, so I started hustling there. <laughs> never pimp a home run until you know it's one, right? No Known more, more for, for his hitting ability and his plate discipline than his power. Marcy batted 274, 413, 428 with 16 homers and 98 walks in 129 games between high A and double A in his first full pro season. He has solid speed and good instincts on the bases with 46 steals and 55 attempts and in the outfield where he spent most of the minor league season in center. His power outburst against Mesa aside, Mesa says, Marcy says he doesn't hunt home runs. He controls the strike zone and makes consistent contact to all fields you know that's exactly once again you're going to hear that from marcus castanone talking about controlling the strike zone and staying with his approach i'm just trying to go up there and hit a line drive up the middle marcy said and early in the count i'm trying to get something i want to hit and that helps me with the strike zone discipline just trying to stay on the heater and react to the off speed marcy reacted well to off speed pitches against the solar Sox and has been afl's hottest hitter in the first four days of play he leads he leads or is tied for the lead in the developmental uh in the developmental league in batting 636 slugging one like these numbers are just stupid he has since cooled off i think he's hitting maybe a high 400s low 500s um <laughs> but <laughs> the first week he just he was hitting 612 by the end of the week and it was like 15 28 bats yeah and leading the league in pretty much everything yeah, so it's a blast, Marcy said. Everyone's really cool. We're trying to learn from each other. Every game so far, we put up a lot of runs, and it's been a lot of fun. Hitting's contagious, and with a lot of good hitters in the lineup, good things are going to happen. And that's another thing with this Piero Havelina team. They've only lost one. They tied one, and the rest are like they got 10 wins. Yeah, I, I heard like 15, 17 runs a game. It's just gnarly. Yeah, from the moment that they announced that roster, all the prospect evaluator guys were talking about just how loaded this team yeah. was on offense. Yeah. So Peoria sees control of the game with seven runs in the bottom of the first, including three homers. Left fielder Graham Pauly, San Diego's number 11, crushed another Gulfoil, uh, Gulfoil, uh, Gulfoil, <laughs> bless you, uh, changed up for a 393 blast at 101 off, off the bat. Um, just these guys are breaking out. Like I said, the pitching is doing really well. Uh, it's really nice to see these guys come and use, particularly the pitching. Like we've seen this from Marcy, we've seen this from Mortarella, we've seen this from Polly all season. But see some of these young guys that didn't get a lot of work in the season to kind of start, you know, start making their name. The Nets, your, your Francisco Pena, your Emmanuel Pinnell. It's coming out yeah, of the and, bullpen throwing gas, and they're not going up against a bunch of cream puff nobody pitchers either. There's a lot of talented pitchers on the other squads that maybe they weren't able to get their innings get all their reps in during the season because they're coming off an injury or or whatnot. Um, but I mean they they have faced a, a couple of weak pitchers. It seems like more often than not, they're facing a good pitcher that doesn't have their stuff on that day. So like you mentioned a, a flat change up. Um so you're seeing that guys are guys are making mistakes. But that's what these guys are there to learn how to do is to 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 take advantage of those mistakes. Yeah. All right. So that's about what we got for the AFL. Let's uh let's turn on and bring on Marcos Castagnon and we will talk to you guys later. Marcos Castagnon was drafted out of UC Santa Barbara by the Padres in the 12th round of the 2021 draft. He followed up a breakout 2022 season with a strong year split between high A Fort Wayne and double A San Antonio, hitting a combined 284, 345, 468 with 17 home runs and 39 doubles while playing third base and second base on defense. Friend of the podcast, Marcos Castagnon, welcome to Friars on the Farm. Glad to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. So how's the offseason so far? We hear you're in a tropical locale. Yeah, I mean, it's going good. I, I spent some time off, you know, kind of letting my body kind of, yeah. you know, relax. But, you know, I just came from a Pilates class. So it was like my first ever. And it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done, like workout-wise. It was it's pretty intense, but it, it's going good. 
Yeah, so Dude, that's I all did... using your own body weight, right? Yeah. It's just different mm-hmm. different positions. Is there like a table with the? Do they do that thing where you're using the levers and all that stuff? Yeah, it's like a machine. It's yeah, it's all it's pretty complicated, but yeah, it's a pretty pretty intense workout. I did. I we did Pilates at the local Y here in San Diego, and without the machine, or I think it's called a recumbent machine. Uh, we're just mm-hmm. laying on a mat, and you're right. The people like dudes go like, ah, Pilates, wimp. Like, dude, go try it. Go try it. Yeah. Go try doing that. And then, <laughs> oh my God, it is a full body workout. And, but you're not moving a lot. You're just moving a little bit, but you're doing it and you're, uh, it is gnarly. Yeah, it is. So you mean, okay. So people talk about strength training, but like baseball is a little bit different because it's about mobility and, and flexibility and stamina. And it, it's a different kind of strong. I, I think of Robbie Snelling, he was, a football player. And then he had to kind of retrain his body for this year playing baseball. Um, has your, like uh, your take on what, what strong means, has that changed since you've become a pro ball player? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I know this year, you know, I played a lot more second base than I did the year before. So I, I think being flexible and like it, it's setting yourself up to, to be healthy for a full 140 or you know how many ever games we play in a season then obviously you know you need to pump iron and get stronger but you know another thing you have to look at is like the you want to set yourself up for the longevity during the season and spring training hey real quick i so you're from rialto i i played in the baseball mm-hmm. tournament rialto at i think one of the high schools there and it was the weirdest field because from home plate you look out to center field and it was on an incline you, you remember that school <laughs> uh it might have been Rialto High School, maybe. I think it was Rialto High School, but you look yeah. you know, like I, I'm at the plate, and yeah, you're looking it's going up downhill. Yeah, 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 up, yeah. Weirdest thing, man. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely Rialto. So before, let's. Before, I want to talk about real quickly, dude, about the tank that you hit against Amarillo. Like I was watching <laughs> that game, and you flipped the bat, and I just about threw my computer. I was like, let's go! Holy jeez! <laughs> yeah, I mean, so. Ripken was hitting before me, and this yeah. this pitcher, you know, he had good stuff. He was throwing like ninety nine to one hundred one, nasty slider, and Ripken tried to bunt, and he tells Ripken like, "Hey, like in Spanish, like batea, like hit, like don't try to bunt." So I'm like, okay, you know, he's he's getting kind of like it's already an intense spot in the game, you know, it's the playoffs and the extra innings. So he walks Ripken on four pitches. I remember the first pitch. I, I thought he was coming with the fastball. It looked like a fastball. It's a slider, and you know, I swung over it. And I stepped out. I was like, if he throws that a little higher, I'm I'm hitting this out. Because if you heard the stories of Amarillo, if you hit the ball in the air, it's a homer. Yeah, yeah. So he left it up, and then I hit it, and I just kind of went blank. Like, you know, I hit it. I knew it was a homer, yeah. and I kind of like, you know, got excited. And I don't know why I threw my elbow guard, but that was just the first thing I thought of. Like, let's let's get something going in the dugout. So I took it off, threw it, and and celebrated with the team. So it was, it was a pretty cool home run. Probably the coolest That's, I've ever hit, like yeah. spot-wise, you know, the extra innings on the road, the, the crowd went silent, you know, it was, it was pretty fun. Yeah, the silent oh, maker. Man. <laughs> That's giving me the goosebumps just thinking about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so you just finished your – last season you finished your first full season, but now you've got a second full year under your under your wings. Do you have a different idea of – a different plan for the offseason, what you're going to do and kind of what you need to do to prepare for next year? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot of adjustments that need to be made from this past season. And, you know, like, like strength training-wise, you know, I think I need to get, you know, more agile and get off the ball more better you know as, as, a, as a second baseman and you know that's only going to help me at third base you know and obviously the the arm strength you know it's it's like all that stuff helps me I can play throughout the whole field and even maybe like left field I mean if I can get off some balls and let's say they need me out there you know I'll, I'll go out there but yeah I mean there's there's adjustments on defense and you know hitting I kind of you know kind of see how the pitchers attacked me last this past season and you know what I struggled with and then you know, some mechanical stuff, but yeah, it's definitely like a, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really aware of what's happening when I'm hitting and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty blessed that I have that awareness and I've kind of always had that. And yeah, it's just uh, some, some foam work, foam machine work is going to be the the sinker ballers coming into me. Those are what I'm going to have to get better at. And, and that, the sinker sweepers 
is a combo that I need to really um, lock in. What was that machine you mentioned? The foam machine? Foam yeah. Ball? So it's like, it's like a machine and you shoot foam balls and it'll like, uh, it'll look like a 98. You could set it to like a hundred miles an hour, but it, it's foam ball. So like, you know, it's better than hitting those hard baseballs and breaking bats and rattling your hands. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. But since it's foam, it, 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 it breaks it like it curves dramatically. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. And if I you do that barrel before. it up, it doesn't break the bat, and that's are very expensive, or it doesn't smash his hands, which is great. But so, what you know, you know, there's been this talk this whole season of the difference between the slider and, and the sweeper. Uh, what have you seen the difference between the two? So I, I say the the slider is more like almost like t- not really top to bottom, but it's like it'll start like two o'clock and kind of break a little down. But the sweeper, like. If a guy's throwing, usually when guys throw sweepers, they throw the sinkers. So the guys that will kind of spin the ball at the top will have like a slider or a 12-6. It's the, the guys that throw sinkers. So it kind of starts in at you and it either takes off towards you or it just kind of like, it, it feels like it sweeps away from you. And it's yeah. like, you know, that looked like a fastball the whole way, but it just kind of like, it'll just kind of sweep away instead of drop in. That's excellent. And then everyone just says, well, it's just, why are you calling a slider a sweeper now? It's a complete different pitch. I think the oh, yeah. evolution of the slider has turned it into, into a sweeper. Someone like, um, oh, my God, I'm forgetting his name. He came up in the bullpen, friend of the podcast. Tom Cosgrove. Tom Cosgrove has that oh, just yeah. nasty 74. And it's like a Frisbee. And like even the main, the, he's having a, he had a fantastic season just throwing that. Yeah. And then and you even see like a lot of the swings on the sweepers is like a fastball swing because it, it kind of comes out like the fastball. And that's why those stinker sweeper guys are so effective in today's game is because of yeah. the similarities. Like it comes out the same. It literally looks like like that at the last second. <laughs> <laughs> they just got to like guess and, you know, be on the fastball and hope they throw the sw- sweeper for a ball. Yeah. Yeah, there's been some good discussions during these postseason games. Um, having Wainwright in the in the booth, he's done some good demonstrations showing how there's a slightly different grip, there's a different spin axis to it, mm-hmm. and and how the the movement it really does separate itself as a it's not a flavor of slider. It is a distinct pitch. And Donovan, you said frisbee slider. That's for years I heard like Adam Ottavino they would talk about his frisbee yeah. slider, and now. Okay, they're just putting a label on it. They used to call all fastballs. It's just a fastball. Yeah. Now you got two seam, four seam. You got a cutter. Um, you got a you know, get different. And if you don't want to call it all that stuff, that's fine. It's yeah. people get so wrapped up about about terms. Yeah, and, and you know what's interesting is like when I was in college, I didn't really know about stinkers, induced fastballs, sweepers, like. The only thing that I, I remember knowing is, okay, like this, this guy's fastball has some life to it, which is like, it's kind of caring. So it's got some carry, but like, well, you know, once, once you get to pro ball, you get introduced to like the sinker, the, the two scene and like the, the names of the pitches. Yeah. And, and I think as a hitter, you know, it helps because you kind of know what to look for and where it needs to start. So like if, if, you know, if a guy's throwing a fastball, that's got some run, like some two seam to it. You know, yeah, I can go back and say, hey, his fastball's running or like in the scouting report, it's got some runs. So I can see the fastball a little more on the outside of the plate. So it'll miss like, you know, kind of in the middle. So I, I think like now the names do help and yeah. you can see like the, the release height. You can see everything now. It's pretty crazy. Okay. So in high A and double A, I don't know how much information is available to you about the guys that you're about to face. Um, do you get much like advanced scouting reports on next week's team or the picture you're going to see tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. So there's, we have like this, this little, like uh, it's like an app, kind of like an app, but it, it shows us who the starter tomorrow is the start of the, their bullpen. So you can see their rotation and like, let's say if you faced, if you faced them before, you can see like how they attacked you and your at bats against them. It's pretty cool. So is that all just like video or is there like graphical data? I'm really curious in like what kind of information is, is presented to you and how they, how they, how they format it. Yeah, it's it's actually both, you know, they have like a chart of, you know, their heat maps and stuff. And, and there, there's also video. I'm, I'm more of like a, a visual. I've always been a visual. Like I need to see what this ball's doing before I step in the plate. Like I know some guys will see the charts and okay, you know, they're good off that, but I'm, I'm more of like a, 
like a visual. Like I need to see yeah. if there's some certain spin or like if, if it's really taken off or if it's really sweeping. Like I, I'm, I really need to see that. And video helps me out a lot. Was that amount of information consistent from high A up to double A or was there more information available at the higher level? Oh, no. I mean, you, I even got it in low A last year a lot. I mean, Oh, it's, wow. It's, That's Yeah, the, the Padres do a good good, uh, good job doing that for us and, and helping us get prepared for the guy we're facing. Nice. That's extra. That's good to know. Yeah. So along those same – so baseball is a game of adjustments – and, you know, I did some homework listening to interviews and stuff. And you're talking about adjustments throughout the season. Um, are you working with the coaches to figure out what kind of adjustments you need to make? Or are you kind of left to do your own thing? Is it kind of a mix of the two, depending on, like, I'm sure you're a different person than the guy sitting next to you in the dugout. Everybody kind of learns and processes differently. Yeah, I mean, we have, like, sit-down meetings before the season ends. Like, maybe a week before, and they kind of, you know, tell us, you know, how we did and, and things that we need to improve on and what kind of they would like to see us work on in the off season to get into this, you know, the next season. And yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a game of adjustments, you know, every year. I know Mookie Betts last season said like, you know, he felt like he was one of the worst hitters in the league, but he was like a top five hitter, Yeah, you know? So it's just like, there's always those adjustments that as a hitter, you <laughs> feel like you need to make. And, you know, even myself, like, you know, I look at the year I had, you know, it wasn't, you know, a terrible year, but, you know, I still feel like I can make a ton of adjustments and, you know, have an even better year next year and, you know, going forward. Well, well certainly with, you know, moving up from, you know, low A to high A, you hitting tanks like every other game, you know, you get into double A and it's, it's serious. Like you're, you're not far away from the big league. So that, you know, the home runs went down, the average stayed the same. You still hit for, for average, yeah. but, but the power, you know, what, it, it it wasn't there. What, did you feel that, that, you know, was it the pitching or did you feel like maybe you were getting a little bit of tired at the end of the season or, you know, was it just about adjustments in the double A? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, uh, I was hitting a lot of like more home runs in high, a, but you know, I, it's, it's a little bit of getting unlucky in San Antonio. You know, I don't know if you've heard, but like, you know, that the ball doesn't really, it's not yeah. known for like a, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't think I hit one home run in the whole, my whole time at, you know, that stadium, but, yeah, I mean, a lot has to do with like you know getting into balls and hitting them at the wrong part of the park. But yeah, I mean, it's I don't I'm not worried about you know my uh, my home run numbers and all that. You know, I'm, if I'm you know barreling the ball, if I'm keep putting them in the gaps, having good at bats, you know that's that's it's really important to me. And you know, down the stretch, you know, yeah. Well, you hit a lot of doubles, and you know, so maybe they weren't quite going over the fence, but they were still finding grass and knocking in lots of runs. Um, so yeah. you got moved up to double a mid season. What was that like? How did you get the news? And then what was the, what was the actual move? Like having to pick up all your stuff and go and settle into a new town. Yeah. So it was actually, uh, in the all-star break, they, I was in Fort Wayne. I didn't, I didn't go home because you know, it's pretty expensive to fly out of Fort Wayne to California. But so that I got the call and they said, Hey, you know, you're going to pack your stuff, go to San Antonio. So yeah, I mean, I just, uh, packed my locker had them sent send a lot of my stuff to san antonio and then you know my car got shipped from fort wayne to san antonio and you know it was it was pretty good the only thing that like i really noticed was you know obviously that you know the beautiful stadium that's in fort wayne you know you go to san antonio and it's a little older but you know it's it's got some good life to it and the first thing i did notice was we were in frisco and i remember hitting a double and it took me at least half an inning to recover like i was breathing (laughs) so hard i was like oh my god like i'm I'm not used to this humidity yeah oh the humidity (laughs) right yeah 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 i've got parkview field as my backdrop here on the the (laughs) zoom i've i've been there and it is a beautiful ballpark it's run by some fantastic people um and we've talked to the guys in san antonio and they're honest about the the age and the the condition of the ballpark and it's a functioning ballpark but they're doing everything they can to get at least a triple a quality stadium in that yeah. city. Um, so yeah, the wolf stadium, it's showing its age. Uh, so moving from high a to double a, you still kept on mashing. I mean, maybe the ball wasn't carrying over the fence, but your average, you're on base pretty much held steady. Uh, I hear that the biggest adjustment is the quality of the pitching. Did you see a significant change between the two levels? Yeah, so I mean, in, in high A, there was guys that were throwing 
you know, starters 98, like consistently. And, you know, that Midwest league, it's a hard throwing league. And then I get to double A and the first starter is 88 to 90. I'm like, I went from facing 98 every day to 88 to 90. And, you know, the, the biggest adjustment is, you know, the pitch ability and the pitchers are smarter, you know, they won't give you as many pitches to hit, but when you get the pitch, you can't miss it. Yeah. And then, you know, in high A, you would you'd get a pitch, you can miss it, and they would still miss again. Like, they, they try to blow a fastball by you. And, and yeah, I guess it's just the, the, the pitch ability and the not not missing over the middle as much. That, that was a big difference that I noticed right away. So did you, you know, make adjustments to your approach accordingly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my, my biggest thing is staying, you know, right center against righties and, and lefties. And, you know, at, at max, I, I, if it's like a hard zone to, to seam guy, I try to hit it to like left center. I never really try to like pull the ball, but yeah, that was, that was kind of one of the adjustments I had to make is, um, you know, setting my sights to keep me, to put me at a better spot. You know, if I get, let's say I'm sitting on a fastball and they throw me a slider, but I'm still kind of staying the other way. I can still like, you know, hit it through the middle. Stay back on it, yeah. Oh, well, I, I thought I saw Brent Rooker on Twitter the other day. So it's harder to hit ninety, you know, it's harder to hit ninety-one on the corners than it is to hit, you know, ninety-eight down the middle. Yeah, like like location is everything. Like you're like, oh, that was on, that wasn't a strike in high. It's a strike now. Holy cow! Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, I was telling my one of my my uh, my college friends. I was saying, man, like if someone's throwing one twelve. Then they're throwing it over the plate. I'm gonna hit that every time. Yeah, but it's the guys that could locate 92, you know, at the top of the zone and throw the slider at the same spot, and it just is a ball. And yeah, that's that's a lot tougher than guys that are just trying to, you know, blow smoke by you. And you know, there there's some live fastballs, but yeah, you, you have to have a good approach to stay against those those guys that are throwing a little softer. So in a couple of interviews, I've seen you mention arm care. Um, last year, you were, it was a mix of third base and second base. This year, you played more third base. Um, how, how do you? How does your arm feel finishing the season? Do you feel like you were able to maintain yourself better this year throughout the year than last year? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I uh, actually started doing a, a a plyo ball routine like three times a week, and you know I think that that really helped. You know, big time. I didn't. I noticed last year it was like. June or July, I was like, I, t- I was talking to, you know, Felipe Blanca, our infield coach in Lakey, and I was like, hey, like, my arm should not feel like this in June. You know, we still have half a season. And then, you know, we, we got in a plow program this offseason, this past one, and I, I didn't I didn't have one problem with my arm this year. And, nice. you know, it was, it, it was nice. It was nice. And, you know, I, I started seeing some results, too. Yeah, I've heard pitchers run into a kind of a dead arm period, like spring training. There's like two, three weeks into it. Was it that kind? Do you think that was kind of what you were going through? Did it did it get better after that point last year? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I would say the dead period this year was when it was 25 degrees, the first month of the season. (laughs) That was the only time my arm felt like you know, my fingers were frozen. It was. It's got to be hard just to get loose in that. Yeah. See Southern California boys, man. We can we do not like the snow. We do not like the cold. No, <clears throat> and it showed in like May. You know the whole Fort Wayne team. We were all from like kind of the Sunshine States and the Dominican, and we started doing well once it got warm. <laughs> Did you have any games where there was snow on the field, like when you were warming up or anything like that? Not snow, but it was a. It was in the middle of a pitching change. We were playing Great Lakes. And I look at, at Merrill, I'm like, dude, it's 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 hailing outside. And like, uh, you know, our whole, you know, left side has just wet and there's ice coming down. Our hats are all soaked. And yeah, there, there was that was the only time where it was bad was uh it was hailing on us at Fort Wayne. Dude, Michigan is Michigan yeah. <laughs> in <laughs> April. Okay. So hey, so during the during the season, do you um you know, they always talk about you know making adjustments in that in at bats. Uh, do you make any adjustments to your mechanics during the season or are you know you maybe do you just try to stay focused on what you want to focus on for the year? Yeah, so I mean, yeah, that's a good question. So there's like some there's there's this thing I'm I'm bought into is uh my my routine as a hitter. You know, I've I've bought into that so much, you know, going back to 2022, you know, I built a routine, you know, I do it every day and like the only thing that I will change is is my BP, whatever the pitcher's fastball is doing that day. Let's say if he's a sink guy, so if we get on the field, I'm going to try to like, you know, elevate the ball to center field, left center, right center. And if a guy's got some carry on his ball, I'll hit some low line drives. I'll like 
two, three rounds of BP just to simulate that feel. Like if I get the pitch, you know, I'm, it's, it's going to be, you know, second nature. You know, that's a good point because you're, yeah. you're seeing the ball when it's 40, 50 feet away and you're making your decision starting to swing. You can't make an adjustment in that last 10 inches or 10 feet because the, the pitch is moving four inches up or, or anything like that. So it's like, yeah. you need to, you need to calibrate yourself before the game uh, to make that adjustment. I never thought about it like that. Yeah. Yeah. Now can they, so I've seen the um, Esposito, Brian Esposito is the catching coach. Now he used to be the manager there in Fort Wayne. And when he's warming up with the catchers, he'll get the pitching machine out and he'll tweak it so that it's throwing the same kind of breaking ball that the pitcher will throw. And that's what he has the guys work on blocking. Um, do you guys ever work with anything like that to try to work on a certain type of pitch before the game or anything? Yeah. So uh, we'll do like a mini hack, a mini hack machine. And we'll, we'll set up like, you know, whatever the, the guy's fastball is doing that day. That's interesting. So are there yeah. any players or coaches, uh, some of the guys that you clicked with this year that really helped you out? Yeah. I mean, as far as coaches, you know, Pat O'Sullivan, you know, Felipe Blanco, Jerry Downs and Fort Wayne, Aaron Bray, you know, Johnny Matthews. It was, you know, we clicked everywhere we went, you know, when we went to Fort Wayne. I know Chandler Craig was our strength coach. It was his first year. Uh, Lauren, Lauren Gottschall was our first year. So, you know, we, we were all tied. I mean, in high A, double A, you know, once, once I got the call up to double A, you know, strength coaches, you know, the trainers, everyone, you know, welcomed me in and uh, Luke Monts. And yeah, it was, nice. it was just a collective, you know, we were all, there, there was a reason that, that we won at those two levels. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly why. So tell me, does, does Luke, does coach Monts, does that guy just go on, talk, 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 talk? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy that, uh, I was I was there to witness some of his ejections and yeah it was it was honestly pretty cool. <laughs> kind of fires you up as a player, you know. Your coach is out there fighting for you. Yeah. All right, I don't know, I don't know if I got to see any of these highlights. So what what kind of stuff are we talking about? Did he ever go into the end of the theatrics of it? No, it, 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 there was just a couple of questionable calls and you know so that there was one that like the first 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 base umpire, you know, missed a call. And he, and then they overturned it because the home plate umpire changed it. And he was like, you know, how can you miss that? It's right in front of your face. <laughs> and he got pretty animated, but I mean, he's kind of right. I mean, if you're right in front, are you going to have someone else bail you out when like, you know, you're right in front of it? That's fucking rad. Yeah. I, I, I listen. I you know I, I read a bunch of the articles from uh, from Ad Fires and uh, John Conniff did, and with talking about monster, talking about setting up your guys to succeed, like doing whatever he can. Like his job as a leader, it, it, kind of thing, same thing with as a manager. Like my job is to make my staff succeed, putting them in the best mm -hmm. position to do the best they can. If that's uh, training, if that's uh, just you know letting them know that they're doing all right, that, that it's not going to be you know as things go wrong. Things are won't be wrong forever, and that it's a grind, you know, even work, even in the baseball season. So I really like Mons, and I love listening to him as well. Yeah, yeah, you know, even like uh, you know Johnny Matthews, we went four and twenty, I think, the first month. Yeah, Oof. and you know, he he kind of sat us down. We were in Lake County, you know, and he told us like, you know, we're not freaking out. You know, it's 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 usually like, uh, you know, I play for plenty of coaches and. You know, when you're losing, you know, and the head, the head, when the higher ups kind of like, you know, start freaking out, you're like, oh, like there's more pressure on right. you as a player and as a team. And like, you know, Matthews did a good job kind of, you know, telling us, hey, you know, keep, keep doing it, keep doing it. You know, you guys are going to do well. And then, you know, we ended up clicking after he told us like, like, you know, he trusted us and, you know, we just take it one game at a time. And, you know, it worked out. You know, on the on the topic of coaches, this question just popped in my head. They have these roving instructors, these you know the guys that that move around from org to, from team to team. Yeah. Um, what do those guys do when they show up? Do they kind of show up and run practice for a day? Do they do drills with you guys, or is it more of a sit down one on one kind of you know look at, at certain things that you're doing? Yeah, I mean, so like let's say if the infield coordinator comes, you know, he he kind of works with us infielders and. You know, that's 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 pretty much all they do. You know, they, they come in and work with their specific, you know, title is like if, you know, Vinny's out there doing base running, we'll do base running with him. You know, he'll kind of show us video, of, you know, what we're doing in the season and, you know, some adjustments we need to make or, you know, when the hitting guys come, you know, it's all pretty much they, they come in and, you know, spectate, see what we're doing. And, you know, if we need to talk to them, we can talk to them or, you know, they obviously give us feedback on what they see. 
and we just work. Yeah, that's one of the things I love watching in spring training is watching the guys out there doing the infield drills, and then they'll stop and they'll have a teaching moment. And it's like if you step with this foot first, this is what happens. But look, mm-hmm. if you turn, if you pivot this way, then you're a little bit quicker. I always love those those little learning moments. Um, yeah. Okay. Definitely. So. Is there anybody on the team who's good at picking up a pitcher's tendencies or like if they have a tell, uh, like if a guy tends to lead off with a certain pitch or if they've got a sequence or if there's something that they're doing with their hands, like that you might be able to pick up that they're giving away what pitch they're given? Yeah. The guy for that is Rifkin Reyes. Ah. He knows everything. <laughs> we, we were in, a, in Arkansas, you know, and he's not like the fastest guy, but, you know, he still had 30 bags or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So he was like, okay, like had his little notebook. He's like, if I get to first, I'm stealing first pitch. If he does this, this, and this. So he gets up, he gets the first base, gets walked or, you know, hit by whatever he gets on. He did exactly like we saw the sequence happen. He stole, he was safe. And then he stole third. And like, it's funny because he literally told us like, you know, he's got these tendencies and then when they do it, you know, we take advantage of it. And he definitely did. That's amazing. I don't know how guys have the eye for that to pick that stuff up. Yeah, it is. It is crazy. All right. So, who some of your who are your, who are your roommates in Fort Wayne? So, I had I was roommates with Josh Mears, uh, Brandon Valenzuela, Colton Bender, and Kervin Pichardo in Fort Kervin, Wayne. Kervin, um, and then who'd you have? Who'd you have in San Antonio? Uh, I was with Merrill. We got Merrill? called up at the same time. So yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> is it is it two two to a to an apartment in San Antonio? Yeah. 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 Hey, so did you catch last night? Uh, Terrence Tucker now has a new uh, podcast slash YouTube channel. Uh, he had Merrill on Monday. Night. <laughs> he had Merrill yeah. on Monday night. Yeah, that's right. That's Sir First, right? Yeah, it was it was the second Sir he first. had uh, he had Dylan Head I think on the in the first one, and then the second one was Merrill. Yeah, yeah. Terrence is He's all about service. Yeah, Terrence is so, a man. So yeah. among all of those guys that you roomed with, who did the most cooking? I'd say Mears. Yeah, he was on a straight meat and berry diet. It's, it's pretty. <laughs> I mean, if you look at him, I mean, you can. He's see a bear, why, dude. That's so good. Meat and yeah. berries, meat berries. Yeah. <laughs> it's straight for like up, yogurt. Did you, did you pick up any really, or probably any nutritional habits from him? Because like the guy is lean and he is built. Yeah, I mean, eat 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 your meat and berries. <laughs> it works. So like like smoothies, like acai bowls, or are we just talking like a bowl of blueberries straight, and strawberries? Straight blueberries. Uh, oh. Yeah. Dude, I can crush it. We crush blueberries here at the house. And you just watch TV. <laughs> you can do a whole pint of those things. And then before even the first commercial is just you pop them in your mouth. Um, that's funny. I can I can just see you, you know, like getting some maybe Whataburger or something like that, and mirrors looking like, <laughs> dude, that's gonna kill you, man. You're like, yeah, what? <laughs> Yeah. All right. So that double A roster, you guys got called up and they already had a solid team. So all of a sudden that roster was stacked. Did you guys have an idea that there was some sort of a plan to bring in everybody? Like even Ethan Salas came up and joined you guys, which kind of caught everybody by surprise. But was there, was there like a plan for that? Did they bring a bunch of coaches in? Were you guys all working on certain things? No, it was definitely a surprise. I mean, I, I knew Salas in spring training. We spent some time together, but yeah. I think the Ethan Salas one caught everyone like, wow, he's he's really, you know, he's coming to double A. But yeah, that was, it was kind of a surprise, you know, when I wasn't surprised, you know, Martorella, uh, Paulie, uh, one of those guys, you know, Marcy got called up. But yeah, it was, it was definitely a surprise when, when Salas came up. But, you know, he's he's good, man. He's really good. He's mature too. Well, and you had a couple of guys on the roster with major league experience too. So uh, did did you feel a little bit of extra pressure now with all of those like, did you feel like you needed to fight for your playing time a little bit more? No, no. I mean, you know, it's like, like I said, you know, it was a good group. You know, when I got in that in that clubhouse, you know, everyone welcomed me with open arms. And, you know, it, it's it wasn't really like, a, oh, these guys have big league time. You know, we're all here for a reason now. And, you know, we've got to go out there, you know, do our thing and, you know, just go out there and try to win ball games. And you guys did. You guys were, what, yeah. one one or two games away from winning the whole thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the season's a grind. What kind of things did you guys do to to break up to break up the monotony of all that? Did the team plan any fun things for you guys to do that just kind of lighten the mood? No, I mean, I, you know, we we would have some guys go to like the river, I think, in San Antonio. We would hang out, but like 
personally, my thing, I would, I would I'd play video games and kind of like get my mind off of, um, you know, baseball, baseball. and kind of turn it off. Yeah. I think we talked about that in the past. Who do you, so who do you play with that's on the team? Do you play with anyone on the team? Not on the team, just guys that I actually, yeah, Hyroy Riarte. Uh, <laughs> we play Call of Duty together. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's funny because I, I, I talked to Albert Fabian earlier this year and, um, he was talking about oh god, Nerwin Castillo, Nerwin Castillo, Nerwin Castillo. I can't. Sedeno, right? Yeah, Nerwin. Yeah, sorry, Nerwin Sedeno. I was like, oh, he's really good at this game. I'm like, really? Hey, are you? He came out, and I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, I'm real. I'm much better than he is. Like those guys all played together. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 pretty much uh, it's either like FIFA or Call of Duty. I know. Uh, yeah, they they take their FIFA pretty serious, but I kind of stay away from FIFA. I'm not too good. I think right soccer's a, a soccer's an activity in my in my in my mind. So uh, yeah, I get yeah. lots of I get lots of trouble with that. It's not a sport. yeah, but it's a religion to some of these guys, it, right? Hence, I don't. Really oh, say in Latin that America, too. you know, in Colombia, like Colombia, yeah, it's soccer's you know huge. <laughs> Did you know? Do a couple of those guys kick the ball around? Uh, you know, in between games or are you know in warm up? Yeah, I mean, you know, when, let's say like we're out there early stretching is like a, you know a team. We we'll have like a hacky sack sometimes and kind of. Yeah. Do all that, but, you know, I'm not very good at it. So, not <laughs> not good at the hecky sack, not the hecky yeah, game. I, it's just it, I, I can get it and pass it to someone, but I can't, you know, start like a rally. Yeah. All right. I'm so, so glad they still have hacky. Hold on, I'm so glad they have hacky sack still. Dude, we were well kicking that around in high school. I'm 53. We would kick it around before the football game, and it helped yeah. with uh, flexibility. You know, kind of helped you get kind of kind of loosened up. Get your body going and your eyes. Yeah. All right, so it's the off season now. What's your plan, kind of between now and reporting to camp? Are you, do you have a, a job on the side? Are you going to go run a baseball camp? Is it all just kind of working out? What what's your what's your agenda? Yeah, you know, it's just it's just working out. You know, working out, start hitting, and like in a couple of weeks, I'm going to start swinging the bat again, and you know, start sprinting. Yeah, I've I've slowly started. Like last week, I started uh, lifting weights and working out, and you know, going on some nice jogs because you know it's pretty nice out here in Hawaii you know it's easy to do that stuff but yeah you know just just work out you know get some agility work and you know start hitting and uh probably um you know my my little brother uh, he's in high school so I'll, I'll probably work with him for a little bit too yeah I saw cool. your your you're hyping him up on Twitter yeah he's he's committed to, to Cal Berkeley already so damn wow, dude. good for him <laughs> epic yeah so that, that's a really good question how how is the changing you know since now minor league is a union now and you guys are are getting paid. You're getting better uh, housing. Um, how is that? Because you've played before. Now you have it. Uh, have you seen a big difference in you know having a little bit of money in your pocket, other than having to work for Uber or you know kind of get a job, you know, in the off season? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely helps. You know, we're making a little more money now. We don't. Yeah, like I said, like we 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 can spend our our off seasons. You know, you know, training, putting yeah. our whole energy, you know, into training, and instead of having to work, you know. And, worry about money and you know that's that's pretty tough all right so i understand there's a dead period between thanksgiving and new year's that's that's new mm -hmm. this season i i had heard that it was supposed to be like an off time but then when we talked to mike daly assistant uh, director of pd he he said he described it like they're not even supposed to be in contact with you guys for like a month there yeah um what what do you what do you think of that yeah i mean yeah i don't know you know i haven't been through it yet so i have you know, no idea how it's going to be. So, you know, but in the, we'll in the past, it. so yeah, these guys, are checking leg, in. man. Yeah. Right. But <laughs> these, guys would, these guys would check in with you from time to time. Right. Like how yeah. often is somebody uh, in contact with you typically, uh, you know, while the off season is going on? Yeah. I'd say, you know, twice a month, once every other week, they'll kind of check in, you know, see what we're doing. And yeah, I guess we'll see how it is this year. You know, they're not going to mm -hmm. reach out to us or we can't reach out to them. Well, I'm sure if there's like some desperate need, you'd be able to reach out. But anyway, so you wear wraparound shades a lot, like almost all the time that you're out on the field. I even see you doing interviews where you still got the shades on. Are you working on a deal so you can get a hookup or or how does that work? Yeah, I hope. I hope, man. Oakley's got to hook me up. Oh, Oakley's your brand. Have you, have oh, you tried yeah. anything else or is it just it's you found one model and that's what works? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been using Oakley my whole life, but I know there's that like 100% brand. You know, I'll, I'll probably try it around in spring training, but you know, if it if it ain't broke, don't fix it. 
Yeah, you got you to shop your services out. You know, see if somebody can, you know, give you a little yeah. endorsement deal. You help you out on the side for wearing wearing blenders or wearing, you know, whatever knockarounds. We'll see yeah. you with knockarounds out there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hey, does your agent hook you up with that stuff, or do you have to buy that yourself? No, yeah, our, our my agent he hooks me up. He hooks me nice. up pretty good. Yeah. Well, dude, hey, we really appreciate you coming back on the podcast. Last time we talked, you know, Elsinore and Loe. Uh, you know, you're turning it up there, but you know, listening to you now, it's just like the, the progression and the development of you as a player, as, as the knowledge of, of baseball has just skyrocketed. And really you can oh, see yeah, it on definitely. the, do it on the field. Um, you know, I, I just, it's phenomenal how you developed in the past two years that we've, since we've talked. So we really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me guys.